tell you about lots of pubs throughout Europe. So, so ask him and he'll tell you where to go. Alan's smiling, a, a, a knowing smile as well, so maybe you guys should get together. <laughs> well, I hope the rain stays off. Unfortunately, I got a bit of a frog caught in my throat the last couple of days, so as you can hear, it's, it's half there, half not, and let's hope that the rain doesn't come and drive it all away. Let's just... Um, Turn with me, if you would, to 1 John. Before we read it, we're just going to pray. Father God, thank you so much that you are God. Lord, thank you that you have left hints to yourself through all of creation. Lord, thank you that, that the very fact that we are here shouts out that you are. Lord, thank you that you create all things, Lord, the storm that has been passing over us. The chairs that we're sitting on, Lord, owe their existence to you. Our very lives. Lord, we admit with the psalmist that before we were born, you knew us. You knew us even as we were being knit together in our mother's wombs. Lord, you are God. And who you are is so difficult for us to wrap our tiny little minds around. Lord Jesus, every time we, we think we understand who you are, who you are, Father, and then something comes along and we're just blown away and we say again, you are God and I am not. You are eternal and I am not. You are great and awesome, and, and I can scarcely begin to understand you. Lord, thank you that your great promise to us is not that we need to understand you, but that you understand us. Not that we need to know you, but that you want to know us. Not that we should love you first, but that you first loved us. Not that we have to craft a God out of wood, but that you crafted us out of the very dust of the earth. Lord, I, I pray for us this morning and over the next four weeks as we consider just the, the very shallow surface of who you are. I pray that you would open our eyes, Lord, and, and that we would learn to know you deeper and better and, and just more intimately. And Lord, I pray that as we come to know you more, we would be more and more excited about, about who you are, that we would find comfort in the knowledge of your presence, that we would find peace in the knowledge that you are there, that we would find hope in the God that you are, and that we would be inspired to share your good news, that you are God and that you love us, and have done so much for us with our friends and our families and our neighbors. Lord, our prayer, and it's one we pray oh too infrequently, our prayer, Father, is to know you better, to explore the ocean depths of your grace and your love, to see those hands that 
flung stars into space and those same hands that were scarred and that took our disgrace. Oh Lord, we pray that you would show yourself to us today. Open our hearts and our minds. Lord, may we be captivated by you and may that vision of your glory so overwhelm us that our lives don't become less important in our trials and tribulations and joys, but find true meaning and purpose in your purpose for us. Amen. <coughs> uh, we're going to be looking at two passages today. First one is 1 John, but the one I'm going to read first is John, chapter 14, just three verses. Chapter 14, verse 8. Jesus is talking about he is the way to the Father. Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replies, Philip, have I been with you all this time and yet you still do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The, Father, the words I speak are not my own, but my Father's words, who lives in me, and, and he does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. And in 1 John, John opens with these fantastic words. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Now this one who is called life was revealed to us and we have seen him and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then He was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. As I mentioned in the prayer, over the next few weeks we're going to be looking at knowing God as our topic and we're going to be looking at a few different things. We're going to be looking at the Trinity. We're going to be looking at who God is. We're going to be looking at at, at just God. Who is God? Who is the one true God that we serve and that we honor? And this morning we're starting the story with with, with the topic titled, The God Who Is. And I guess the question is quite pertinent to many of us, and well, maybe, hopefully not us here, but, but many people in the world, is God actually? Or to put it another way, does God even exist? There's lots of people writing these days. Uh, one of the famous atheists called Sam Harris says, It is time that we admitted that faith is nothing more than the license religious people give one another 
to keep believing when reason fails. And he says at some point, there's going to be enough pressure that it is just going to be too embarrassing to believe in God. And I, I think we often scaremonger the, the major atheists a bit today, as in we say that they're bigger than they are, but, but the fact is that this is a question which everyone has to face at some stage. Does God actually exist, and how do you know that? How do you know that God is? How do you know that God not only is, but is actually concerned for us and cares for us, and, and wants to have something to do with us. How do we know? And how do you explain to your friends and your family that you believe in, in this God that they have never seen? In the days of, of the Bible, the question wasn't so much, is there a God? It was more a question of, well, which God is the real God? Everyone had a God. And it was thought, well, if you want to know which is the real God or which is the really strong God, look which God does the best things for their people. And, and it's interesting if you read through the stories of the plagues in Exodus. As God is delivering His people from Egypt, we see God is basically smooshing all the Egyptian deities and saying actually people of Egypt people of Israel people of the world I am God and there is no other I love how how in that story you have the Egyptian magicians and they try and they try and they try and then they get all boiled over and and they they just give their hands up and say this is God (laughs) crossing the Red Sea God showing Himself to be mighty. Destroying the walls of Jericho. God's power on display. Mount Carmel, one of my favorite Monty Python-esque stories in the Bible. As, as, as Elijah is there and the prophets of Baal and just the prophets of Baal are made out to be idiots because their God can't even light a little fire. And God doesn't just light a fire. He soaks up all the water three Huge vats full of water. God saying, actually, I'm God. So in the Old Testament and and in the New Testament, it it was very much a question of which God is the right God. It seems that that people just had this, this innate presupposition that there must be a God. And in fact, if you look at the statistics for Australia, I haven't got the very latest ones yet, but the 2001 stats say that between uh, 75 and 85% of Australians believe in God or gods. Most people recognize that there must be... Oh, it's glass, isn't it? (laughs) There must be a God. And what is it that makes us come to this conclusion? Well, there's a couple of different arguments. Maybe we can come to a a proof that there is a God. 
There's, there's a few different ways. Just mention two briefly. How about we say, you and I are moral people, aren't we? We know right from wrong. But if we live in a moral universe, there must be somebody at the top to say, yes, right, no, wrong. Um, let me read it out to you. If God doesn't exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist. But objective moral duties and values do exist, therefore God exists. Convinced there is a God? We know there is. Even Dawkins agrees with both of those statements that moral values exist. Um, yeah. And yet he still turns around and says, there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good. But there are moral values and absolutes. I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, our morality is a hint that there must be a God, this moral arbiter. Doesn't fully convince me. I like, I like this one. The heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make Him known. Romans 1.20, Paul says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky, and through everything God has made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. And so they have no excuse for not knowing God. The fact that we live in the world that we live in is proof that God must exist. And we can say this because we live in a universe that is fine-tuned. Now, we're not talking designed here. We're saying that, that it is fine-tuned. I'm sorry, you're going to get a little bit of physics here. Um, the universe is made up. Oh, and the man at the back there just goes, Oh, it's the weekend. I don't want to do physics. The existence of life in the universe as we, know it, as we know it depends on some very finely balanced things. Um, for example, the, the balance of matter and antimatter and, and, and things like the constant of gravity. You, you know, if gravity, 9.8 meters a second, roughly, if gravity was just a little bit higher or a little bit lower, if it was a little bit higher, everything would be super dense and we would just have blue dwarfs. Blue dwarfs? Yes. If gravity was just a little bit lower, everything would... You'd just have blue giant stars. And you wouldn't have an environment where, where carbon-based life could exist. It would be impossible. I mean, the laws of nature would still work. The universe could still exist. But life couldn't exist. Things are so finely tuned that if, if you shift it just by a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, you and I could not exist as we do. In fact, no life could exist. And so we can say, well, 
the fact that, that our universe is so finely tuned to allow life to exist, while either it's, it's because it has to be, or because it just happens to be, or because God made it to be that way. It doesn't have to be. I won't give you the physics. I'll, I'll tell you that superstring theory allows for a cosmic landscape of around 10 to the 500 different possible universes governed by the present laws of nature. The present laws of nature, just on those, ignore the constants, you could have 10 to the 500. So 10, lots of zeros. Like, run them all the way back home. You've got enough zeros. Different universes, and life wouldn't exist. It's so finely tuned. One in 10 to the 500 is where we are. Maybe it's just an accident. You'd be better off buying a ticket to the lottery. You'd be way better off buying a ticket to the lottery. I won't bore you. I've got a great book. It doesn't work. It's not because it has to be this way. It's not because it happens to be this way. It's because it was made to be this way. People then respond, and Dawkins comes back at this argument, and he says, well, who made the maker? Well, that's a question worth discussing. I don't think he's quite ready for the answer. God was never made. But, you know, you don't have to throw out the concept that the world was designed the way it is just because you don't understand where God comes from. If we jumped on a rocket and we got to the moon and we went to the far side of the moon and we found some space equipment there, we'd be pretty justified in saying somebody made this equipment and not that it just happened to bubble up out of the ground. It's the same with God. We know that this world must exist because it gives evidence that it is finely tuned. So are we convinced? God exists. Yeah. That's only a partial proof, isn't it? One of the books I read in preparing for this was one where a Christian and a non-Christian were debating. And the non-Christian eventually came and said, you know what, I have changed my mind. I'm no longer an atheist. I'm a theist. I believe in God. Fantastic. Can I hear an amen? Doesn't believe in God as we know God. Just believes that there is a God just believes that there is a God. In fact, he says Christianity doesn't convince him. You see, the problem is when we come at this question of is there a God with all of these different angles, yes, they are hints to the fact that there must be a God. Yes, we can maybe even come to the conclusion that there is a God somewhere out there, however he looks like, but... But in the end, we don't get very far at all. 
In the end, all we get is this, as Ecclesiastes puts it, a sense of eternity in us. This, this sense there must be a God, but, but I can't go any further than that. And the thing is, unless God actually shows Himself to us, there is no way that we can know Him any better than a, a, a corner of the eye glance. Unless God actually speaks to us and comes to us, we cannot know Him at all. And so the question of the world is, is there a God? And we can argue with them until they come to the point of saying, well, maybe there is a God. And we should. We should be arguing that God is. But ultimately, it is not about our arguments. It is about God coming and saying, hello, I'm here, by the way, yes, I'm real, and I want to have a relationship with you. The Bible never attempts to prove that God is real. Genesis 21-23, Abraham worships El Ulam. God the Eternal One. Job 36, 26. I think it's one of his friends turns and says, Look, God is greater than we can understand. His years cannot be counted. <coughs> Isaiah 57, verse 15. The High and Lofty One who lives in eternity, the Holy One, says this, I live in the High and Holy Place. The Bible just assumes God exists. Why? Because it's the record of the people who have had dealings with God. I don't come and sit next to Colin and go, I'm not sure Colin actually exists. Have you ever heard of a Colin? I'm I'm not sure. And maybe if I've never met the man, I could be having a conversation. Have you ever heard of Colin? Maybe he exists. I heard he's a nice guy. Does a good job leading communion. Have you heard of him? But then I come to know him and I sit and I I see him speak at the front. I I talk to him. I get to know him. All of a sudden, my question's not, do you exist? It's, It's what sort of a person are you? And it's the same with God. You don't ask, do you exist, when somebody is speaking to you. It's kind of obvious, isn't it? 1 John chapter 1 says that the word was from the beginning. He existed from the beginning. And the one who has existed eternally, the one who fine-tuned the universe, the one who is absolutely the, the, the morally right and just one, is the same one who comes and speaks to us. And throughout the Old Testament, leads his people to the point where he himself steps down and says, hello. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. 
You see, when, when Jesus Christ, God's Son, entered into time and, and how now the whole of the eternal Godhead stepped into time. When we see Jesus, we see the Father. We see the character of the Father. How do we know whether God exists? Well, does Jesus exist? Ultimately, every type of theology that we do, every type of thinking about the Christian faith, any type of thinking about God the Father brings us back to Jesus because Jesus is the one who shows us God. Jesus has always been the one who shows God to humanity. In Jesus Christ, God walked with us. And John doesn't write here, oh, oh, Well, dear friends, I'm writing to you about an argument. And I want to tell you about the fine-tuning of the universe. John doesn't, have, he doesn't want to give us theories and physics. He wants to say, I've met God! Woo! Touched Him, felt Him, heard Him. I've met Him. And I want you guys to meet Him too. John says, I've experienced God. And the question for me is not, is He God? The question is, Wow! How can I tell as many people as I possibly can? John says, I'm writing to you because I want you to have fellowship with us. I want you to have partnership in this experience with us. He says in chapter 5, verse 13, I'm writing so that you may know that you have eternal life. See, for John, it's not about proving God exists. It's about saying, come and meet him. Jesus revealed the Father to his disciples. His disciples introduced Jesus to others. And as they came to know Jesus, they came to know the Father. And they introduced Jesus to others. And as they came to know Jesus, they came to know the Father. And they introduced, and all the way down until somebody came to you and said, I want you to meet Jesus. He's the best ever. He's God. And when we come to know Jesus, we know the Father. And yes, we can't touch and feel and hear and see Jesus. But we enter into fellowship with those who did. John says, we want you to have fellowship with us. Join us. Because our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. And when we join into this community, this church, maybe we can't physically see Jesus, but, but we know that we are with Him. He says He's near us. He's, 
He's our brother. He's our friend. John 14. Jesus says to his disciples, I will never leave you orphans. Or I will never leave you as orphans. In fact, what Jesus says in that chapter, he says, you see me, you see the Father because the Father lives in me and I live in the Father and it's, just, it's like a package deal. And the, the good news is that I want to come live in you. In other words, what does it mean to have fellowship with the Father? What does it mean to get to know the Father? What does it mean to experience God? It means to be part of the package deal. It means to step into the relationship of the Father and the Son and the apostles and the disciples and all those through all of history who are God's people. And how do we know this? 1 John 3.32 We know this, that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. 1 John 4.13 We know that we live in Him and He in us. We're part of the package deal because He has given us of His Spirit. How do you know that God exists? That's a question. That's a question. Anyone got an answer? Tell us, Graham. <coughs> yeah, but how do you know? How do you know God exists? His spirit witnesses with our spirit. The resurrection's key because it's proof of God's power, isn't it? Anyone else? How do you know that God exists? Debbie. He answers us. Bam. Got a relationship with him. Yeah. Anyone else? You can feel it. Anyone else? And isn't that what Jesus said in, in that passage from John 14? He said, believe me, just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. And if you can't do that, just believe on the basis of all the works you've seen me do. And I love that verse because sometimes our feelings are not very reliable. And then we can rely on the works that we have seen. And the resurrection is the greatest work. But in a, in a, in a very real sense, the question we bring an answer to, to the world, is not so much, is there a God? And I'm weird. I like discussing things like that. I like the physics. I like the philosophy. I'm strange. And it's good to do. But you know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> But at the end of the day, we're not about convincing people that God exists. Our job is the same as John's job. Is to say, 
forget existence. Have you met him? <laughs> Have you met him? John said, I saw him. We have the Holy Spirit as soon as we believe. It's the one guaranteed promise. Luke chapter 14. Anyone who asks the Father for the Spirit gets it. John said, I saw, I felt, I touched, I heard. We can say, I experienced God this. He did this in my life. He did that in my life. He raised me from the dead. He speaks to me. Can I make the introductions?